When my dad asked me to, to speak, you know, Father's Day, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And then I got to thinking about it. I was like, maybe I'm not the right guy. I've only been a father for three years now. I don't have that much experience under my belt. What am I going to say to fathers? Um, you know, and I, because I think about it, and I, I, I've been doing it for three years. I, I don't know what I'm doing yet. <laughs> so um, maybe some of y'all know. But I, I'm 32 years old, and I remember when my dad was 32 years old. I was about, about 10 years old, I guess. And uh, I'm. I remember well. He knew, he knew how everything went. He knew how everything worked. You know, he, he had it all down pat. And uh, it, that kind of changed when I became a teenager a little bit. But, um, but uh, I, now I know more than ever that, that my dad really, really did uh, do a good job, did the best job he could with what he was given. And, uh, and, and so today, I, I, if you were here on Mother's Day, you heard him speak a message on... Uh, on real moms, and if you weren't here, that's cool because I wasn't here either. <laughs> and uh, but he talked about real moms, and so I, I thought it was fitting if I talked today about fantasy fathers because we all have some fathers that we kind of put up on a pedestal. We all have a, a father figure maybe somewhere uh, at some point in our life that we look back at and we say, you know, that's the, that's the guy. You know, um, maybe it's Mufasa from The Lion King. I don't know who it is. For you, but my, most of my ideal dads, other than my own father, uh, I mostly got them from two places: one, Nick at night, and two, TGIF on Friday nights on ABC. You all remember that? Anybody? Yeah. And so, so I got to thinking about who my fantasy. Like, if I'm going to draft a fantasy, a fantasy league, you know, a fantasy uh, roster of dads. Who would I pick? So, so first and foremost, got to go go with the great Andy Taylor. You know. Got to go classic. Got to go somebody with with uh, with just some old school fundamentals. You know, this guy ran basically a whole town, and you know, and and still had time to be his his son's best friend. And uh, so so obviously Andy Taylor. And second, you may know this guy Dick Van Dyke. And uh, I don't really remember this that well, the show. But what I do remember is the opening. Do you remember the opening? He would come in, he bust in the door, and his family would all be there like waiting for him, like so excited to see dad. You know, and that's what I, I, I wanted to dad. You know, when I come home, like dad's here, you know, the, the trumpets are playing. And then he trips over the, uh, the footstool there and they all rush over to, to make sure he's OK. And uh, and, and so, so I, I like I like Dick Van Dyke. Uh, and then you need somebody that knows what they're doing. You know, somebody that not just knows how to fix things emotionally. We'll let mom handle that. Somebody who knows how to get things handled. So what about Tim Taylor? What about, what about, uh, about this guy? Now, am I hearing this? Is everybody hearing this? <laughs> okay, just making sure y'all heard that, right? I didn't just have like an out-of-body experience or anything, was it? So Tim Taylor, like, I know that it's, uh, most of the time his, his uh, when he tried to fix something, it just ended up on fire. But most of the time when I try to fix something, it just ends up like just staying unfixed. It's just broke. I, I have trouble with a screwdriver sometimes, so, uh, so it's easy to look up someone like him. And then we just want someone who's, who just gets some fun, just, just straight up fun. You can't go wrong with these three guys, Joey, Jesse, and Danny. Um, you, got, you, got Joey, you got Joey for the laughs, Jesse for some, some fun, uh, and, so, and he's the cool guy. And then you got, when the party's over, you got Danny to sweep up after everybody. So, so there's, there's those, the guy, those guys that I would say are, are my fantasy picks, you know, for my, my fantasy fathers. 
But, um, but you know, when you really start looking at them, maybe, maybe they're not, you know, they're not really people you can really aspire to be, you know, because they're, they're not really real people, first of all. And so, so maybe we need to look at where we're getting our ideas about who a father figure is, because we can't get it from a 20-minute uh, TV show. There has to be something better. And you say, well, let's go to the Bible then. Let's go look at there. If you look at the Bible, <laughs> look at fathers in the Bible, there are, there are some great examples of fathers, first of all, but there's also some very bad examples of fathers in a lot of places. You've got Eli, who just, who just has two terrible sons and just lets it go. You've got, you've got Noah, who curses one of his sons. You've got, you've got Jesse, who forgets all about David when it comes time to anoint someone king. You've got, you've got Jacob and Isaac, who both play favorites with their kids. And, and you've got Abraham, who did a good job with Isaac, but his other son, he kind of forgot about. He kind of pushed him out in the cold. And so, so you've got some great fathers, but you've also got some great character flaws there too. They, they, they did great jobs. And when we try to measure ourselves up, sometimes it's like, it's like, you know what? Maybe I'm doing pretty good. Maybe I'm doing an okay job. Maybe it's not that bad. And the problem is, is maybe we're looking at the wrong examples again. Not people that are putting people up on pedestal, but maybe looking down. And maybe there's somewhere else that we need to look. And I think there's a perfect place in the Bible for us to look, a, a perfect example given, a, given to us about what a father is. And that's from Jesus. And you say, well, Jesus wasn't a father, but he gave us an example of a great father. And he, he created a father in a story that he told. He, he made a story up about a father and he based this father on his father in heaven. And so it's, so it's, it's the greatest story, it's the greatest father ever. And it's really the greatest story ever told. And he shows us what it would be like if, if God, the Father, was a father on earth. And maybe we can learn something from that as dads, and maybe as followers of Christ, we can learn something a little bit too. So I want to take just a minute to, uh, to look at this story. This story is, if you don't know it, it's a story about a, a father with two sons. And one of the sons comes to the dad and says, hey, dad, I want everything that you're going to give me when I die, I want all of it. I want it right now. And so the, the father says, okay, and he gives him, gives him his inheritance. And the son goes and he spends it all, he blows it all, and then he ends, up, he ends up penniless, he ends up starving himself to death, and he just wants to go back home. And he decides in his heart that I'm just going to go back and, and try to get a job working for my dad. He'll never take me back as his son, but I can go back and just, just be, a, be a slave, be a servant for him. And so in this story, Jesus shows us a beautiful picture of what a father's love should be. And not to make us feel bad about ourselves, like we'll never reach that, but to make us, to inspire us to be better, to be, to be greater fathers, and to show us the true picture of what it means to be a dad. So I want to take just a couple of, couple of minutes today and look at some fantasy fathers that, that uh, you may know and you may, ha- you may have in your brain, and uh, then also look at the example that Jesus has given us. And hopefully we can all, all of us fathers and those of us that aren't fathers, we can all learn a little bit of something today. Um, but if we're talking about fathers on TV and fathers from, from, uh, from media kind of uh, society, father, mothers usually, they get put up on the pedestal really well, you know, and they're supposed to be perfect. They're supposed to be, be the loving, caring, tender one. But the, the dad, we, we, we get it easy sometimes, you know, especially on television. We, you know, it's, it's, we're just supposed to do a couple of things and that's, that's, you know, bring home the bacon, wear the pants in the family, and, and, and discipline the kids, and, and you know, and, and, and be the authority. 
And the, no, no place I can think of better signifies this than, uh, than uh, this, this one show I remember watching when I was a kid a little bit, uh, uh, The Wonder Years. The Wonder Years. And you may remember uh, Jack Arnold there. If you don't, you remember Kevin Arnold, the, the, the kid there. And I remember, I remember Winnie Cooper very well. Some of y'all remember Winnie Cooper. Come on. Um, but it's all about Kevin. He grew up in the 60s, and this is, this is a show that took place in the, in, in, that was on TV in the 80s. And uh, I remember watching it some, and, and uh, the thing that always struck me was, was the, the, the son, Kevin, his, his relationship with his dad, because his, his dad had a horrible job. His dad would come home from work and just want everybody to sit down at the table and eat, and, and he wanted to, when he was done, he wanted to get up and, and go sit down in front of the television, and everyone to leave him alone and just get out of his way, and keep, you know, keep everybody out of sight, out of mind, and he wanted to just kind of get everything. He'd gone through a bad day every day, and he just wanted, wanted to keep everyone at arm's length, and maybe that's the father you grew up with. Maybe that's the father, if, maybe you don't have a father, but maybe that's the, what you think of when you think of a father, and that's not the father that, that we have in heaven, and if, if you don't have you don't have an earthly father that cares for you like that, or you don't have anyone that cares for you like that. There is a father in heaven that loves you. And, and Jesus showed us that in, in this story that he told. In, in Luke chapter 15, he told, he told us that, uh, that while the son was still a long way off, he said his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. His father, his father didn't want him far away. His father wanted him close. His father wanted him as close as possible. And his father, he says he ran to him. He didn't, he didn't walk. He ran. He said that while he was afar off, he didn't he'd say, is that my son? He knew it was him. And he ran to him. He's, this, this father draws his children close. This father that Jesus shows us, this example of a father, he draws his children close because that's what our father in heaven does is he is drawing us close. If we feel like we're far off, like the song said a minute ago, if we feel like we're far off, he's, he's not far off. He is close and he is drawing us in closer. He longs to, to wrap his arms around us and to love us and to, and to, and to, to be with us, to be our father, to, to, to see us become all that we need to be. You know, our, and as fathers, we need, we need to have our children close and our children need us close. Did you know that, did you know that uh, 63% of all teen suicides happen in fatherless homes? 71% of all teen pregnancies happen in fatherless homes. 85% of all teens in jail happen, come out of fatherless homes. All, uh, I think it's 90%. 90% of, of, of homeless, homeless kids came from fatherless homes. And, and about 43% of all children today in America are, are growing up without their father. Our, we need our fathers. Our children need us men. They need us in their lives. But they don't need us just, just for those. They need us for spiritual reasons too. They need us to draw them close. We need to be in the middle of whatever's going on. And I know a lot of times that, that we, 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 wanna, we, can, we can get close on certain things when we talk about maybe sports or when we talk about, about, uh, about uh, hobbies, fishing or whatever, talk about movies or whatever. But, but when it comes to spiritual things, sometimes dad, we have a problem getting, getting in the middle of our children's business sometimes. 
And I'm not, I'm not telling you to force or pry, but I'm saying you've got to be there. You've got to be close. You've got to draw them in and know what's going on in their life. Because if there's a line and we say that this side, we're, we're being a little, a little too cautious and this side, we're really intruding. I'd rather be on this side anytime because this side, this, this is their salvation we're talking about here. We, if, if there's, if there's a, uh, a way to go too far, I'd, re- I'd rather go too far than, than play it safe when we're talking about our, my child's safety, my child's salvation. So our, our kids need us close and they need us to know what's going on in their life. We don't need to be caught off guard by, by what's going on in their life. And that's the example that, that, uh, that Jesus gave us there with that, that father. He gave us an example of a father, a father who draws us close and wants us wants to know us better. Um, if we're talking about my, now you got to hear what I'm saying here. My favorite TV dad to watch, to watch, not to actually be around, but to see on television. I love to watch Archie Bunker. Does anybody know who this guy is? You may not remember this guy. Archie was a great, if you don't, he was a great guy to watch. You know, he's fine as long as there's a TV screen between you and him. But growing up in his house would not have been fun. You know, whenever, whenever he went on one of his rants or whenever he had had one of those days, you wouldn't want it to be there. You know, most episodes ended up with, with him making his daughter cry or in his son-in-law's face. And uh, it, was, it was fun to watch, you know, like, like reality television shows now. It's just a fun train wreck to watch. But uh, it's not exactly what we want to see. But if, you know, if Archie were here today, you know, we'd, and we, he'd heard me say that, and he tried to defend himself, he probably actually wouldn't defend himself. He probably would just say, look, I'm the man in the house. I can do whatever I want. I wear the pants. I can, I, you know, I can do whatever I want to do. I can say what I want to say, and that doesn't matter because he, he always just said whatever was on his mind, and he was, he was blunt. And sometimes he hurt people's feelings. And, and here's the thing is, is the problem with that is that our words have power. And I'm not saying, and don't, don't hear me wrong. Don't think I'm saying some, some name it, claim it speak it into existence, not that kind of stuff. I'm saying your words have power. When you say things, they mean things. And when you say things, other people hear them. Your children hear them. And when we say things, there, there is power in our words. And when we say, it, it reflects what we believe and it affects what other people believe. And we need a father that sees the best in us. And and the story that Jesus told about, about the father that, that showed his father in heaven, it, it's, it's, uh, he said this, when the son came to him, the son, the son said, listen, dad, I, I know that, that you're mad at me. I know that I messed up, but I'm not expecting you to bring me back as your son. I just want to be a servant. I just want to work for you. And the father, he doesn't even listen because he knows that those words that the son is saying, they have power. And so he just ignores it. I love that. And he just, it says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. The son was saying, saying dad, I'm, dad, I know that I, know that I, I'm, I can't be your son anymore. He said, no, 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 you're not, you're not hearing me. You are a son. He said, he said you know, you may think, son, that, that, uh, that I'm mad at you, I want to throw a party for you. You know, you may think that, that I've, that, that I've written you off, that you're dead to me, but you're not, you're alive. You know, you're not, you don't, you think you've gone off the rails and that you're, you, you've, you've lost your way, but you're found. And this is, this is what the father says. This is what he speaks 
about his son, not the bad things that looking at him. He said, he said, he sees a vision of who his son is. He says, put a ring on his finger, put a coat on him and make him look like the beautiful son that I know he is down inside. And that's what, that's what we need. We need that kind of father because this father sees the best in us. We need that kind of father in our lives, not just in heaven, but we need that kind of father here today. I remember when I was a kid, I'd bring home a report card sometimes, and uh, it would have some letters on there. And I just remember I would get in trouble. And, uh, but it was never, I, and I look back now, I know it's, it, wasn't because, it wasn't because I got bad grades. It was because my, they always said it, that I could do better. I could do better. And that was, it wasn't a, a slam on me. It was, it was a challenge, you know, and our, 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 our kids need that. They need that. And I, I mean, I haven't proven that yet that I can make better grades than that. But uh, that's yet to be seen. Uh, another thing I remember when I, was, when I was in high school in my senior year, we moved to Chicago. And uh, from here, moved to Chicago. And my house and my dad's office and the, the school were all within walking distance of each other. And uh, I'd walk back and forth from school. I'd walk over to my dad's office. And uh, one day I'm walking back from school, and you have to realize this is, this is, I think, in probably February, and the snow was about twice as tall as I am. I don't know if that's true, but that's how it, I remember it, okay? And uh, we're from down here, and we don't really know how snow works, but, you know, snow, maybe you don't know, I didn't know until then, and I've tried my best to forget. But snow, down here, you get it, and then like three or four days later, it melts, right? It doesn't get warm enough to melt up there like every week, okay? So you get snow, then you get more snow, and then you get more snow, and then you get more snow. And the whole time, it's just piling up, and the, uh, the snow plows are knocking it off the road and with all the grime and throwing it up. And so you just get these, like, black walls of mud and dirt that, you're just, that, that are on the sides of the road. And so I'm walking home in that, and I remember looking at it, and I'm just like, this is, this is horrible. What am I doing here? <laughs> like, please, God, can the snow go away, please? I'm so tired of it. It had been there, it had been there basically since November. And so I remember I'm walking to my dad's office and I remember I walked in, I opened up the door and he's standing there with the, with the blinds open looking out and he's got his back to me and he, and he says, he says, without turning to me, turning to me, he says, his son, isn't it all beautiful? You never get tired of looking at it, do you? And I just, I just like, what? But isn't that how our father in heaven is? And sometimes we're in the middle of the biggest mess and all we can see are, are the, the messed up, nasty walls that we've built around ourselves. But our Father in heaven, he sees, a, he sees a, a bigger picture. And he says, you know what? It's still beautiful. You think you're in the middle of a mess. I think you're in the middle of a masterpiece. And he, he sees something from a, from a different perspective. And sometimes we need to put on those eyes and not just see ourselves like that, but see other people like that. We need to see the beauty of the, of the work that God is doing in other people's lives. Now, now, we, uh, sometimes we call ourselves, and people call us, believers. It's not just that we believe in something. It's not just that we believe in a God. It's that we believe in the God, and we believe that he is doing something in this universe, right? He's doing something here. It's not just him being there. It's about him being here, and he's working here right now, and he's working in the lives of people around us. But oftentimes, we miss that, and we see all the negative things that are going on in their lives. And that's the things we talk about. Those are the things that come out of our mouth instead of focusing 
on the beauty that God is creating. We need to look around with, with God's eyes and God's perspective and see the masterpiece that he's making out of the messes around us as fathers and just as followers of Christ. And then lastly, if we're talking fantasy fathers, talking about like if I had to pick, you know, the dream dad, I'm going to go shallow here, okay? I'm going to go with Uncle Phil. Y'all know Uncle Phil? That's who I'd go with. You don't see the family resemblance. But me and Uncle Phil are the same body type. We're both the, the uh, overinflated volleyball body shape. Uh, but Uncle Phil, I told you I was going shallow, he's loaded, okay? <laughs> That's the reason. He's a nice guy too, but he's loaded. And uh, anything his kids want, they always got, you know, as a kid. That's the dream, right, is, is that you wish your parents were always a little more rich than they, than they were. You know, you always think, think, you know, you see that one kid that has a nicer toy than you. And that's, so maybe that's part of it. But then you get to looking with adult eyes and you start looking at, you start looking at, at Carlton and you start looking at Hillary and you realize they're funny guys on television, but in real life, they'd be brats. In real life, they're spoiled. And so, so that's the thing is, is as a father, I want to give my kids good things. I want to, and I know you do too. And that's a perfectly reasonable thing to want, is to be able to give our kids good things. Jesus even says, he says, he says as a father, you want to give your kids good gifts. You know, that's, that's something that, that, we, that we want as fathers and as we want, that we want as parents. We want to give them good things. But being spoiled is something different than just getting what you want. It's getting what you want without having to do the work to, that it takes to get there. It's, it's, it's getting something without having to work for it and not understanding what it means. And so, so we can talk about spoiling our kids and all that kind of thing, but really what I want to talk about is, is, is spiritual things and how we, how we discipline our kids spiritually. Because right now, we're a spoiled generation, I, I believe. We, we, have more, we, have more, we have access to more versions of the Bible in our phone. <laughs> if, you want, if you want to hear a sermon from any, just about any speaker, you can look it up on YouTube and find it, you know, at any moment. If you want, if you want to, if you're reading the Bible and you don't understand, you can Google it in a heartbeat. If, if you want to, uh, if, if you, whatever your style of worship is or whatever your style of music is, you can find a Christian version of it now in about five minutes because every genre exists, you know, from folk to hip hop to, to electronic dance music. It's all there in the Christian, the Christian, under the Christian umbrella now. And we're spoiled to have all those things, but yet are we any closer to God than our, the generations before us? Are we any closer? And if we're not careful, we'll take advantage of that. And we'll take that for granted. And we won't, we won't, we won't seek after God and seek after God's heart. Because that's the thing is seeking after the heart of the father. Because I, I, I want to give my kids good things, but I'd rather give them great things. I'd rather give them great things. It's not just that I want to, to read the Bible to my daughter. I want her to read the Bible. It's not just that I want that I want to pray for her. I want her to know how to get a prayer through. It's not just that I want to tell her about God, but I want her to know God. I want her to, to feel that embrace that I was talking about earlier. 
We need that. We need that. We all need that. And you say, say, we've got to get our kids into a habit. We've got to get into a habit, into a discipline of spending time with God. Some people say, you know what, I don't want to do it if it's a habit. If it's just a habit, I don't want to do it. Here's the thing. A good habit can save your life. How many of you, when you get in the car, you have the good habit put on your seatbelt? Right? You have a good habit of checking and making sure your, your uh, gas gauge isn't too low. You know, the, these are good habits. They're going to help you down the road. And if you get into a good habit, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to be, be good for you. And you say, well, Brent, the, the father in the story, he's spoiling his son. You just saw it. He put a ring on his finger. He put a coat on him. You know, he, he spoiled him. He said, he said, you know, throw him a party. That's spoiling him, right? That's exactly what his brother thought, too. He said, you're spoiling him. If you see in Luke chapter 15, verse 28, it says, uh, the older brother became angry and refused to go into the party. He wouldn't even go in the party. And so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. The brother shows us this. He shows us that it's possible to spend your entire life in the house of the father and forget his heart. It's possible to spend your entire life in the house of the father and completely forget his heart. The heart of the father is that the lost come home. He says, if we're going to spoil something, if we're going to spend all the things we've got on something, it needs to be on seeing the lost come home. It's not that the father knew how to throw a party. It's that the father knew why to throw a party. Do we know why to throw a party anymore? Or are we spending all of our time and all of our energy on things that don't matter? When there are countless people who are, out, who are on their way to hell, first and foremost, who are living with, with, without the hope and the joy and the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ, and we're spending our time on petty little silly things. We as fathers need to do a better job of instilling that heart into our kids. And we need to do a better job as the church of sharing that heart with the world. If, if you would stand with me. I'm going to bring us down to a close, but... I want to, I guess, invite everyone up front. This is what you normally do. Invite everyone to come up to front. If you want to get with your dad, you can. If your dad's not here, um, find the next best thing. Find a friend to be with. This example, this example that uh, Jesus gave us, this example that, that he, he laid out for us, he sets the bar extremely high, right? He puts the bar way up because that's what Jesus does. That was the whole reason he came was to show us not just that here's how to live a perfect life, but hey, you can do it too, right? That, that he, he said that, that we would do greater things than he did, you know? He said we, he saluted his disciples, he said, you're the light of the world. 
He said that about them. And, and he, said, he said, go and love each other like I have loved you. And I don't believe Jesus lies. And I don't believe he tells us to do things that we can't do. And so he's calling us to a higher uh, way of life. He's calling us to, to, to a better way of life. And not just as, as followers of Christ, but, but as fathers too. And he sets the bar high, but it's not to intimidate us, but it's to make us reach higher. It's to make, make us stretch out toward that. And so what I want to do is, is as we close, I want you, I, I'd just like to challenge fathers to, uh, to, to follow the right example. Not the example that you got in your brain or the example that you saw on TV or the example your own father showed, but follow the example of Christ. Follow that example. And, and the, the rest of us, let's do the same thing too. You, you do the same thing and follow the example of Christ. Follow the example of Christ that he has shown you uh, shown through this story and th- shown in other ways too. Um, so can we pray, pray fathers for, uh, pray, for pray that you would, um, you would follow that example better and that, that and, and children and whoever else here pray that, that you would follow Jesus' example better. So can we do that right now?